0: listening to SBS on the money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Hi, everyone. This
1: is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 15th of April 2021. Later, we take a look at where rents are going for property, but first to Australia's unemployment rate, which fell in March from 5.8% to 5.6%. That is better than expected. For more, I spoke earlier with Carlos Caucho, Jardin, Australia, Chief Economist. Carlos, how would you describe the employment market at the moment?
2: Whatever way you look at it, the labour market is very strong right now. We've seen all the job losses due to COVID recovered and then then some, with employment about 70,000 higher now than it was before the impact of COVID-19. We've seen hours worked, rebound to where they were before. And we're seeing leading indicators, things like job advertisements and um, employment intentions from businesses at record highs. Why are people finding work so quickly? I think, you know, what we've really seen is an incredibly strong economic recovery. And there's two key drivers that are contributing to that. Firstly, it's the um, very strong management of COVID here in Australia, which has largely allowed life to return to normal. And that's given confidence for people to go back out into the economy, to spend money um, and to work again. And the second thing is just the sheer volume of fiscal stimulus that's been pumped into the economy. Household deposits with banks are up over hundred billion dollars in the last twelve months, and that means there's a lot more money to spend on retail services and other uh, other opportunities.
1: So the unemployment rate fell to five point six percent. But what happens when we get the next set of data? Because that will include the end of JobKeeper. And do you have an estimate on how many jobs will go as a result?
2: The end of JobKeeper is certainly going to be an interesting event for the labour market. Um, our expectation is that given the underlying strength in the economy, it's not going to be, it's going to be mostly just a bump in the road, but there will probably be some job losses. That's really going to impact those areas that are not back to normal yet, so particularly sectors that are reliant on international tourism um, as well as uh, that are still impacted by restrictions, so arts and entertainment uh, would be another, other, another area that we'd be concerned about. In terms of the number of potential job losses, look, it's very difficult to put a figure on it so far, but estimates out there from Treasury and other researchers suggest it could be somewhere in the vicinity of about 100,000 jobs. Um, however, given the strength that we're seeing in the leading indicators so things like job ads, which are you know, near record levels, we'd expect that any job losses that do come through will be absorbed fairly quickly.
1: Speaking of those job ads, right, we're hearing a lot of anecdotal evidence of businesses not able to fill jobs. What does that say about the market?
2: I think that's just really illustrating how strong the underlying labour market is, that there are jobs out there and there's not enough people to fill them. I think really there's there's two key drivers of that. Firstly, it's the fact that some sectors of the economy are just running really hot. If you look at something like construction, where the home builder um, grant scheme has led to a surge in, in house construction, that sector is really struggling to find enough skilled labour to meet demand. The other area you're seeing it is in um, is in sectors that are over-reliant on immigration. So areas like hospitality, which often rely quite a bit for, for new immigrants, and um, agriculture, which rely on backpackers.
1: So if we're seeing that struggle or a little bit of a tightening, will we start seeing pay rises soon?
2: Look, it's possible we could see some modest wages growth. And you're certainly hearing anecdotes that In those sectors where skilled labour is hard to find, like construction and technology, there are wages coming through. We would expect that it's still going to be a while before we see broad-based wages growth across the economy. Most expectations are that it's probably going to take unemployment to fall to somewhere around 4% till we start to see that. Um, Recent comments from RBA Governor Lowe suggest it could be even below 4%, so maybe high threes before we see some um, real wages growth actually coming through.
1: And what do you think the RBA will thinking about this report when it combines these numbers with everything else that it's seen? Is there a threat that will actually see the conditions for a rate rise come sooner than that 2024 date that the RBA Governor has put in?
2: They were expecting unemployment to still be 6.5% in June this year. We're now at 5.6%. We're basically a year ahead of schedule. They didn't have unemployment falling to 5.5% until June next year. So that's going to be very pleasing for them, the fact that the recovery is, is so much more advanced than they thought it would be just two months ago. Um, how, and, yes, look, it does probably bring a risk that we could see earlier rate hikes. The key thing, though, is really going to be um, not what the unemployment rate is but what happens to inflation. The RBA has been very clear that they're not going to hike rates until inflation is comfortably back within the 2 to 3% target band, um, and that's going to be, you know, will probably have to be there for a couple of quarters, not just one or two quarters spike because of um, because of high prices in one sector or another and we think that's probably still some way away um, but it could come earlier than 2024 but that's probably a good thing
1: Carlos Cacho, there, the chief economist at Jarden Australia. Now, the jobs numbers did have a direct impact on the Australian share market. It did propel it a little bit higher. The S&P ASX 200 up half percent to 7,058. It's only one and a half percent away from reaching a record high. For more, I spoke earlier with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Henry, the market really recovered from a lower open today and is doing not too badly past the afternoon. What drove the gains?
0: Well, I think the primary driver of the gain has been the turnaround in the banking sector, which has been driven by those unemployment numbers we saw today coming in at 5.6% of the headline rate. And that really does show the strength of the economy that we're seeing at the moment, which, of course, is good for the banking sector. Less bad debts. They've got a lot of provisions. And, of course, they've got their results coming up as well. We've just seen them kick off in the U.S. in terms of the U.S. banks. So that really has turned things around from being sort of half a percent to one percent down first thing the banks have recovered and gone the other way to sort of half to 1% up, which is a good flip around. And commodities also have been very strong overnight.
1: So we broke through that 7,000 level. What will it take for us to reach a brand new record high?
0: Um, Well, the way it's going, Ricardo, another couple of days, I guess, uh, maybe by Monday or Tuesday. I suspect that the catalyst is going to be the US reporting season. And if that goes according to plan, then we could see our market continue to push higher. Of course, we've got our banking sector results coming out at the beginning of May. We had Bank of Queensland today, and we've got Macquarie coming up uh, before the big three announced. Commonwealth Bank, of course, is out of that cycle. But it certainly has been a, uh, a positive experience so far uh, from the U.S. reporting season. Of course, it's very early, but the market does want to go up. Those unemployment numbers were very bullish, I guess, for the for the backdrop of the economy. And the 10-year bond rate, which has been a bit of a problem in the past, is relatively stable at that 1.76 level. So that, that's also a positive for the market. Nothing to spook us there, that's for sure.
1: Um, how do you play the market right now and where do you
0: see value? Oh, that's a, that, that is a hard one. I've got to say, trying to find value in a market that's approaching an all-time high. I think the banks still offer some value, mainly because we're going to see those provisions that they took because of uh, the problems with the pandemic and COVID uh, that will be uh, enabling them to pay uh, much higher dividends. I also think there's a scope for the resources. We are seeing commodity prices continuing to rise and that iron ore price at 172 odd US dollars I think is still some pretty big scope there for resources. So those two sectors of course account for around 50% of our market in terms of uh, the BHPs and the RIOs, et cetera, and the, the NABs and CBAs. So I think there is some scope there. And the other one I think which offers some scope is a recovery in CSL as well, which has been a little bit of a uh, ugly duckling throughout this period, whether that's tied up with the AstraZeneca problems that uh, we've had. Uh, they are under contract to manufacture that vaccine, but not that they were going to make a lot of money out of it. In fact, it actually might play into their hands if they don't have to manufacture as such a lot because they're then free to, uh, to concentrate on other things, which are probably more profitable. So CSL may be in the big caps, but uh, certainly commodity stocks at the moment and banks, I think, are a good place to be.
1: And finally, what do you make of the uh, cryptocurrency space? Because we saw that that pretty good debut of uh, Coinbase on the NASDAQ
0: overnight. Um, it, uh, it was a direct listing. So it didn't actually raise any money and the founder didn't sell any. But the The company closed with a market capitalization of 86 billion US dollars, which is quite extraordinary. At one stage, it was a bigger company than British Petroleum. And it is a bigger market cap than all the exchanges in the US, the likes of Nasdaq and the uh, CME as well. So it is quite an extraordinary thing. Coinbase is a cryptocurrency platform and it has around 55 million members and has made some extraordinary profits. You would have to think at some stage the margins will come in because Those are sort of the the margins that most platform providers would only dream about. But it is a sign, I guess, of this crypto mania that we're seeing at the moment. I'm I'm an old market veteran and I, I have to say I still struggle to get my head around the cryptocurrency and people start talking about fundamental value of something that really has no fundamental value. I find quite strange to get my head around. But the numbers speak for themselves and the higher it goes, the more people will talk about it and the higher it will go. And the more people will talk about it It is a virtuous cycle of uh, speculation at the moment. So I don't know what's going to burst the bubble. But last night, they say that Coinbase legitimized crypto. I'm not sure that's true, but we shall see as time plays out.
1: Henry Jennings there from Marcus today. A quick look at rents now, where there continues to be a divide between rents for houses and apartments. The team at Domain says rents for houses rose 4% nationally year on year with record house prices for rents in all capitals except Perth, Darwin and Melbourne. For apartments though, rents are down 8.1% year on year nationally. For more Anna Napoli spoke with Nicola Powell, Senior Research Analyst at Domain.
3: Nicola, why have rental prices changed? We are seeing an increase in demand for uh, rental properties and that's particularly so in those outer suburbs and also into regional Australia as well. This is at a time where we have seen vacancy rates tighten across many of our capital cities so I think tenants will be finding that the competition um, has increased to secure uh, a rental property. So it sounds like landlords are now in the power seat, is that correct? With many of our capital cities hitting record high rents, I think landlords um, definitely are in the driver's seats across many of our capital cities. I think as well, we've got rental moratoriums ending across some of our states, which will mean that we're likely to see asking rents um, increase uh, further. So what's your advice to consumers who are looking to rent in terms of their options? It is difficult when tenants are faced with rising rents, particularly with wages growth being sluggish. I think it does become a compromise in terms of property type or location. But what I would say is our rental conditions are not uniform across our capital cities. When we look towards, say, Sydney and Melbourne, we are still seeing um, drops in in asking rents across the year in those inner city suburbs, particularly so in Melbourne. Um, So I think that there is um, some areas where they remain firmly a tenant's market but overall we've got many areas that are um, land- we have landlords in the driver's seat.
1: Nicola Powell there from Domain. That is SBS On The Money for this Thursday. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BusinessRicardo.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only.